Hi, and welcome to The Science of Storytelling, the podcast that explores the most unique and engaging content collaborations between publishers and advertisers. I'm Jared Grimm. This week on the show, we're chatting with Chris Weidart, creative director for USA Today's in-house branded content studio, Get Creative. When Chris started his career as a reporter at a TV station in Atlanta, he never thought that 10 years later, he'd find himself on a farm in India, interviewing a turmeric farmer for a national supplement brand. But that's exactly what happened in USA Today's latest campaign with Nature's Way. We talked to Chris about taking Nature's Way back to their roots, why you shouldn't start a campaign with a VR strategy, and how Indiana Jones inspired his career. Stay tuned. So hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for coming in to chat. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I wanted to start off by getting to know you a little bit. If okay. you could give me some of your background, how your career has led you to get creative. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I started my career in journalism. I was a television reporter for, for several years and started in a really small town in, uh, in Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as a young, you know, mid-20s uh, aspiring journalist, I uh, worked my way through and Landed uh, landed a job in Atlanta after a few years at a television station in Atlanta where I was a reporter and I also took on some additional duties uh, on our digital side as this newfangled thing called the internet came around yeah. and really people started to think, wow, this is this might be something. Uh, so really got excited about developing content for our television station's digital platforms. Um, that television station at the time was owned by Gannett. Um, uh, since then, the company has split, and then through all of that, I, I moved over to the USA Today side yeah. uh, and uh, was on the editorial side at USA Today, producing video content for our digital platforms, uh, not just for USA Today, but for all of our local sites. So uh, a lot of folks probably in this industry realize Gannett owns USA Today, also yeah. owns over 100 newspapers across the country, too. So I was really excited to be able to develop digital video content for all of those sites. Uh, did that for a few years and then uh, got the tap to uh, to come help start the branded content team and uh, started working with my boss now, Kelly Andreessen, yeah. um, to, to build the branded content team and, and start developing it. And, and we're really excited about where Get Creative has come over the past two and a half years or so. Um, and the opportunities that are in front of us uh, as we go into 2019. So I'm one of those rare people in this industry and in that I've been with a company for more than 10 years yeah. with the same company. I've had a lot of different jobs along the way, but uh, but have seen the, a lot of changes within the organization and within the industry, which have been really exciting, I think. Yeah, that's interesting to come in as a reporter mm-hmm. uh, initially and then you know change your roles within the company. Um, over that tenure that you've had there, what have you noticed the biggest difference in the in the organization in Gannett? Well, I think the biggest the biggest company wide change that I experienced was when we split the television stations and the newspaper and formed two different companies. Um, you know, I think it's been really exciting though through that to see how Gannett and USA Today and all of our local properties have really evolved a, a very digital first mentality and how they produce content, uh, how they distribute content, and how they connect with the audience. Yeah. Um, you know, more and more of our audience is on digital platforms. That's how we're reaching to them. That's how we're talking to them. Uh, there's obviously a lot of immediacy there yeah. uh, in, in producing content and getting it out uh, through whether it's our websites or our social media platforms and connecting to people where they are as yeah. well. It brings the opportunity for an advertiser to, to work very natively 
with uh, with a content team that understands the audience that uh, that you're speaking to. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest attractions when working with any sort of content studio within a, a publication or yeah. group of publications is you have this access to to a voice, but also people that have worked in this industry and understand an audience. Have you noticed any differences or similarities between telling a story as a reporter and telling a story uh, on behalf or with an advertiser? Well, there are a lot of similarities. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's telling a story. Um, it's identifying characters, identifying people. You know, the story structures are all basically the same. You want to have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there are a lot of similarities. And as we've built the branding content team, we've really looked to, uh, particularly on the creative side, uh, bring talent in that has either a journalism background or some sort of storytelling, marketing type background. Yeah. Um, We've got folks that have that journalism background through their entire career. We also have folks that have worked with a lot of like uh, personal branding um, efforts uh, and telling executive stories and things like that um, to an audience. So I think storytelling is at the core and we really bring that journalistic approach to storytelling. So whenever we bring a new advertiser on board and we start working with them to develop their content, we ask a lot of questions like a journalist would. Uh, I want to understand who they are, what they stand for, what their values are, um, and what what the message is that they're trying to tell you. And uh, and there's a, a process of asking a lot of questions, and they're probably wondering why are we asking all of these questions. Um, and then we we evolve into, and this is maybe where things start to differ into you know more of a pure journalism side to an advertising side is that we want to understand the audience specifically that they want to speak to and what they want the outcome of this campaign to be, right? Are they they trying to sell a particular product? Are they trying to change a perception? Or are they just trying to raise awareness? And if their objective is one of those things or two of those things, that might inform how we create the content what mediums we might use to create the content, whether it's video or interactives or articles, um, to help achieve what their objective is. Yeah, and let's talk about one of those advertisers. So uh, there was a a program that you ran with Nature's Way that the team there ran. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that partnership looks like, what they were trying to achieve, and and we'll get into some of the nitty gritty of the way that the story was told. Sure, sure. So um, yeah, that all kind of began really with Spark, uh, Nature's Way's uh, agency. We have developed over you know the course of time a relationship with them that has been very productive. Um, they um, had been working with Nature's Way and developing a, a, a large um, strategy. Um, and, uh, and we found that in conversations with them, there were things that we could do to help them achieve their strategy. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the program itself. So can you explain, I guess, for those that haven't seen it, weren't able to experience it yet? Yeah, sure. Give us a picture of what this program was about. Right, so Nature's Way uh, obviously um, makes uh, a lot of products that you might find in Whole Foods or stores like that, uh, herbal supplements. Um, And for them, um, they're in a really interesting place and that they place a lot of value in producing a very high-quality product. Uh, and, and, and putting that product in front of consumers for them to buy. And for them, that means understanding exactly where every ingredient in that product comes from, uh, all the way down to the farmer. And then from the farmer, working through their quality assurance processes, through their various um, testing and, and everything else that they do to ensure that the product that they're 
that they think they're buying is the product that is truly ending up uh, in the product that goes, goes onto the shelf. So um, it's also kind of interesting in that um, they take a lot of that responsibility onto themselves, right? There's not a lot of regulatory bodies that are pressing down on them to make them do certain things, and they have a... Uh, 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 a very deep core belief that just because nobody's watching doesn't mean you shouldn't do the right thing. And, uh, and in fact, those are probably the times when we really should be doing the right thing. Um, and that's when it matters most. So we thought that was a great principle um, to be guiding on, and we really took it, ran with it. Um, we went to India, where we went to a turmeric farm and a basil farm. Uh, we went to Austria, where we went out on an elderberry farm. Uh, and, uh, and of course, saw them harvesting the product and, and bring, bringing it to, to market with Nature's Way. So um, really wonderful opportunity to, um, to meet some very graceful, kind, passionate farmers and people who care about what they do and are very connected to the earth. And then follow that process through, um, through the third-party testing that Nature's Way does and their internal processes to make sure the product ends up going out on the shelves. Yeah, I find that this is so interesting. I mean, this still lives in marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. And normally you're talking about price points and product and the advertisement goes out there and it's seen by a lot of people and maybe it drives sales. It's not often when, in my career, when you're in advertising where you have a situation where you're flying to India and interviewing farmers on behalf of a brand mm -hmm. that's doing it. So mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about what's involved in in the process of sending a crew to another country <laughs> yeah. uh, and like right down to how are you making sure that you have the appropriate paperwork in place and the yeah. ability to film like it sounds like a fairly complex program to run it it is in the production of it it is and um, to your question though about um, the logistics uh, we, we've we've done this kind of thing you know several times before and I think we learn something new every time yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you go to, to countries like India, uh, of course, you're dealing with a language barrier there. Uh, I was talking yesterday with our, our head of visuals, Steve Pearson, who uh, headed a lot of the, the video that you that you see as part of this campaign and the production of that video. And uh, there were instances along there where we had hired a translator that spoke one language. I can't remember the specific mm -hmm. languages. The farmer spoke uh, a third language. Yeah. So we had to have another translator that could go from farmer language to translator language, translator to English, right? <laughs> so there, and that goes two directions, yeah. right? So imagine this conversation we're having right now with two interpreters in the middle that are trying to to put the... Make sure it all translates across <laughs> correctly. Exactly. Right? It's like an exactly. international game of telephone. Yeah, and of course, you know, you have to deal with you know, you're moving a, a group of people um, that are coming from different places in the United States, perhaps, uh, getting them all to one central location, arranging for their travel along the way, because these farms, of course, are not in major cities like Mumbai or Delhi or something like that. They're four or five hours away. Um, so arranging that kind of transportation, dealing with all of those kinds of logistics, you, you know, with all the gear that we bring, you need different things to deal with customs. Um, Carnets, uh, visas, all these kinds of things get, yeah. get really, really complicated, especially when you're going to, to countries like India. When you're deciding with the, with the client and with the agency what this story is going to look like, uh, how do you decide who is going to play the lead character roles? In my experience, often the brand wants to be the hero of the mm -hmm. story. 
but in this case, it, it felt like the farmers, in a way, were central mm-hmm. to, the, to the process and to the story. Can you talk a little bit about the character development that happens within this? Uh, yeah, sure. So there is a lot of work that goes in on the front end to, to take a, whether it's with Nature's Way or anybody, to identify a pool of potential characters that we think are particularly representative of the story. And there's a lot of pre-interviewing process that goes on, um, a discussion with them to understand what they're doing, what they think about it, how, you know, how they feel about the brand, how they that we're working with, all of those kinds of things. Um, and that's collaborating with the brand, and in this case with Spark as well, um, to to narrow down that pool of folks. And then once we've identified who we think that, that strong group of characters is going to be, really it's, it's a very organic process, it's kind of planned organic process from there, right? So we have a pretty good idea. We don't go to India without an idea of what we're going to shoot and, yeah. and what the basic framework of our story is going to be. But we always leave a little bit of flexibility in there, and I think this is the journalism in us coming out or the journalist in us coming out, to discover uh, and to adapt to the discoveries we might make along the way, right? So if we met another person or if we found out that this farmer was doing something that we hadn't even considered before, just an observation of what they do, um, we want to be able to adapt and pivot and make that part of the story as well. So it's semi-prescriptive with enough room to adapt and change uh, and discover. And I think those those natural and organic discoveries are what make uh, a story really sing or really connect with an audience on USA Today. Because that's, when they come to us, that's the kind of content that they're used to consuming. I think it's really interesting the way that... Uh, so you take this story and... You know, Nature's Way could have published it on their own site, yep. used Facebook to distribute it. Uh, but there's a reason that they wanted a partner to add their voice to it. As much as <clears throat> Nature's Way wants their voice and their viewpoint in it, they also want USA Today and Gannett's voice to be a mm-hmm. part of it and that trusted credibility. So the marketing and ad industry tends to change very quickly and often there's a shiny new thing. So we'll take something like like VR yep. or before that 360 video, yep. uh, there'll be all types of different storytelling mechanisms. And often it, <clears throat> it seems like the focus is on the mechanism mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. So what is it that makes you choose a certain storytelling mechanism to mm-hmm. be able to get a message out? In, in its purest form, we want to start with the story, start with the idea, um, and then decide what's the best way to bring that story to life, yeah. right? So, um, for example, um, you know, if you look at this Nature's Way campaign, it included a lot, a lot of different um, story types or, or products, right? We had articles, we had um, interactive infographics, there's certainly video, uh, and there were the 360 elements as well. We basically decide what the storyline is going to be and then what's going to be the best way to bring this to life. Uh, And and part of that um, decision is also, what do we want to achieve with this particular storyline? Is this particular piece of content intended to make the user take some kind of action and then interact with the brand directly, so click over to them? then maybe let's do something like an article or or an interactive that is uh, encouraging the user to click around. But if that storyline is uh, particularly suited for video, but they want to get that click out of it, well, video is not going to be the best way to do that because you 
can't really, it's hard to click on a video, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it starts with a story. Um, it started then uh, understanding of what the objective for that story is, what we want to get out of it, uh, and then what's the best medium for that. If we're going to do VR, we want to make sure this is a story that is truly positioned for VR, right? So it has to be highly experiential. We want to transport people to a different place and time that they couldn't otherwise go or have an experience that they wouldn't otherwise be able to, to have. Um, so... You know, that's taken the form of, you know, in India, kind of exploring some of these towns and, and villages. We did a campaign with Honda where you were in an indie car race car, you know, with Mario Andretti driving it. Like, nobody gets to do that. Yeah. Um, and then on the editorial side, um, before I joined the branded content team, we produced content where you were in one of the Blue Angels, right? The, the Navy's uh, demonstration team. You know, flying around with them in formation, they're inches from each other, and you get to experience that, which is really, really powerful. VR is a tough one because not that many people have headsets, but you're yep. right, once you get them in the experience, as long as the story's interesting and they're being transported to a new place, so it has its place within there. As far as the, to shift a little bit to the publishing industry in general, so okay. I don't know if the publishing industry has ever been easy, but I would say it definitely... <laughs> is in a, a challenging time, primarily from a business model perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult to generate revenue off of advertising in a lot of ways. How do you feel that branded content, which has grown substantially, I imagine over your career, I know over my career, branded content has become this big piece of how a publisher monetizes. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you see branded content fitting in that, in that business model? And where do you see the publishing industry, I guess, figuring out its business model as well? Do you have any ideas? So starting with, how does branded content fit into this? Yep. How a publisher runs a business model? Yeah, I obviously have invested my career. I've hitched my wagon to branded content here. Um, I think it's really powerful. I think, you know, kind of the, the question I, I always like to ask is, when was the last time you clicked on a display ad? Mm -hmm. Right? They can be very effective at perhaps drawing an action later, or if we're targeting and getting you right, maybe you are clicking on them yeah. more. What I think branded content brings, though, is the opportunity for an advertiser to connect with the audience in a, in a really powerful and uh, engaging way. And we kind of have three guiding principles on the branded content team uh, at Get Creative. Number one, we want to have an audience-first approach and inform people. We want to give them information that is... Uh, relevant and useful in their lives uh, and work with advertisers to do that. And in doing so, that positions the advertiser in a place of credibility as well. Well, this, this advertiser hasn't just tried to sell me something. Um, they want to help me and they want to enrich my life. We want to engage people. Uh, we want to tell them stories that they want to, whether it's an article they want to read completely or a video they want to watch completely and connect with the characters and the people in those stories uh, and, and really engage with it, click around uh, and take that next step. And then, of course, want to connect the advertiser to all of that, because if we haven't done that, then uh, then was kind of all for now, yeah, right? So, um, so really, how do we connect the advertiser to the campaign, make sure that the... Uh, the reader or the audience understands that uh, this is content that was helpful, I liked it, and now I remember who partnered to bring this content to us, right? So um, inform, connect, uh, and engage the audience are really kind of our three guiding principles. 
Um, and I think if we're doing those things really well, that can be really powerful. What do you think it is that that makes a story different than a banner ad? Like the science behind it. And we've spent some time on this, understanding how humans react to a story different than they'll react to mm -hmm. an ad. Even taking back your history from reporting, what is it that makes, what do you think it is that makes someone care more when they hear a story about a farmer in India mm -hmm. uh, than when they see that something is $2 off, you know, a product available in their shelves? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think they're both valuable um, and they, they both are, achieve two different things. Um, I think a story, if we're doing it right, instills an emotional connection of some sort. And that emotional connection, while it may not cause an immediate action by that uh, odd member of the audience, it will um, kind of stick in their memory. Mm -hmm. well, if I think about what do I have in common with a farmer in India, uh, on the surface, probably not much. But you know, if I watch that story and consume that story, I see that he is a man who's very passionate about uh, being a father, being a husband, um, serving his community, uh, is very invested in his job, his life, and what he does. Um, and those are things I can connect with, right? I, I, well, I'm not a father and I'm not a, not a husband, but, but I do connect with those themes of wanting to do the right thing, wanting yeah. to, to be very connected to what I do professionally yeah. uh, and as part of, you know, a big part of my life. So I develop that emotional connection with the person um, that I've never met before and I've never, you know, probably will never meet. Yeah. Um, so I think... You know, storytelling is that powerful opportunity to develop uh, that emotional connection. Yeah. Now, this is going to be, I don't know if you're going to have the answer to this, but the, okay. like I, I was referring to before, the publishing industry, yeah. the media industry is in a difficult place. You see, you know, Mike go and selling for a fraction of what they initially were valued at. You see right. big VC funded ones like BuzzFeed and Vox missing sales goals. Uh, 10 years ago, you were a reporter. Yeah. You probably never even knew if you were going to be heading up branded content yeah. at a major publication. No, I was going to be a, like a war reporter. That was my, yeah, that was my right. dream, right? Like international correspondent. Yeah. So what do you think it is that the, <coughs> the publishing industry will need to focus on over the next 10 years in order to maintain a sustainable business? Number one, um, the content our editorial teams need to produce, and I'm confident uh and very much, very confident in our editorial team at USA Today and all of our local markets um, to maintain and continue to build their credibility um, with the audience. Uh, and that comes from solid reporting, investigative reporting, um, day of reporting, um, balanced reporting, um, and transparent reporting, right? Um, I think more and more uh, today, people are seeking transparency. They're okay if uh, a particular publisher has a perspective or has an outlook or has a, a slant um, towards how they report things. What I think the audience is not okay with is when publishers try to hide that. Mm. I think if they are open and they acknowledge um, their perspective and, and own it, then I think people generally, they, while they may disagree, they at least respect that you were transparent enough to acknowledge your if you had a stake in it or if you had a viewpoint on it, whatever it may be, I think transparency uh, is going to be one of the big things that continues to build trust. Um, 
I think so that's number one because that's how we earn our audience yeah. and and when advertisers come to us they want to access our audience so I think we need to continue to build that credibility build that trust and I'm confident that we will at USA Today and the USA Today Network and uh, and I'm confident that you know many of the large publishers um, around the country will continue to do that as well I think there will always be a place and a need for um, good solid reporting that holds powerful people accountable um, and uh, and keeps our audiences informed about the world around them. Um, as for the industry, I think we're going to have to continue to evolve and understand how we're connecting with people. Uh, more and more, that means going to, not expecting them to come to us, uh, expecting them to stop at the corner and buy a newspaper or go to usatoday.com. Um, we need to continue to understand how the digital uh, marketplace for content works, um, how we mark, how we get our content in front of people where they are, whether they're on Apple News, whether they're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or any other social media platforms that might come up in the next year uh, or 10 years. Um, <clears throat> and think about how we're connecting with them and taking the content to them. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you have this core tenant that you're talking about, which is these you know, transparency and telling interesting stories about how people see the world around them and informing them about that and holding leadership accountable, mm -hmm. et cetera, right? Uh, and then that audience, because there's that trust built, there are ways to monetize that credibility, whether it's branded content. Mm -hmm. uh, I hear a lot about um, new subscription models, paywalls. The only way a paywall works is if, if your content is so good that someone's willing to pay money to receive it, mm -hmm. right? So I know for a long time, the industry moved away from charging mm -hmm. readers or viewers yeah. anything, and there's been a, a little bit of a movement towards uh, saying, hey, this stuff that we're producing is so good and so important that maybe it's worth supporting mm -hmm. uh, beyond just advertising. So I think that's a, an interesting viewpoint to, to focus on creating that transparent quality content mm -hmm. and then building an audience that trusts mm -hmm. it, monetizing it from there. Uh, those are the questions that I had today. I have always a final kind of question. Okay. Um, you tell a lot of stories, you tell them for advertisers, <laughs> okay. you told them uh, in the past. What is your <coughs> favorite story, whether it's a book, a movie, or a TV show? You're on a desert island, you get one. Oh Which one do you gosh. keep? <laughs> That's a good question. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the original Indiana Jones movie kind of had... A, a lot of the things that inspired me actually to go into this business, mm -hmm. if that makes sense at all. Well, I got into I got into journalism and reporting yeah, because I wanted to be I wanted to adventure and see the world, and I'm, I've always been fascinated by history yeah. and uh, and how that shapes the world that we live in today. Um, and Indiana Jones, right? He's kind of uh, the constant adventurer, the reluctant hero uh, yeah. in many ways. Um, uh, so yeah, I always liked Raiders of the Lost Ark um, as a as a story. Uh, obviously, Spielberg is a masterful storyteller, um, and uh, and yeah, Raiders was always cool. Well, that's great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time today. It's a pleasure. It's uh, it's really cool to talk to someone who has been in the reporting. You know, started out your career in that area, grown it into sending teams to India to interview farmers <laughs> on behalf of Nature's Way to talk about turmeric. Like, yeah. uh, I imagine you never saw that coming. So yeah, it's really cool. And you guys are doing some excellent work. 
uh, at Get Creative, and we're happy to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'd be remiss if I didn't <clears throat> at least call out everybody on the team yeah. um, that, that worked on that campaign. I mean, uh, you know, Steve, Danielle, Sarah, um, on the creative side of the team, really worked to bring that campaign to life. And for me, um, as, a, as a creative and as a, a leader now, um, I'm so inspired by the work that they do. Uh, and the work that everybody on the team does. And then it's so exciting. There's there's another side of the department um, that is so brilliant and smart in managing these campaigns and making sure we're reaching the right eyeballs and keeping all the creatives on task yeah. um, that, um, that really is so powerful too. So um, really, it's, it's such an exciting place to be. And I'm like, I feel like a dad sometimes. Yeah. Like, my guys are out there in the world and they're doing this cool stuff. And it's so exciting to see them come back and start to see their raw, uh, see their notes for their articles and things like that and, and see how it all comes together. Yeah, it takes yeah. a village. It does, it does okay. for sure. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. The Science of Storytelling is a podcast by Pressboard. It's hosted by Jared Grimm with design by Phil Chung and production by me, Leah Bjornsson. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or sign up for our monthly newsletter. Visit pressboardmedia.com to learn more.